0: Amen. All right, so today obviously is uh, Serve Sunday, and uh, I made the suggestion that maybe we need to lock all the doors except these right here to make sure that you've got to go that way after service. I'm not sure that's legal, though, so I don't think we're going to be able to do that. But listen, if if it's just five to ten minutes, we'll talk a little bit more about that. After the service before uh, we get ready to go today. But just for a few minutes, maybe you're already serving in the life of the church. Great. And we're thankful for you because I know many of you are. But it's still a great opportunity just to see other ministries that are going on and who's overseeing and leading those ministries. And then if you're not in actively serving in the life of the church, this is uh, the day for you, for you to be able to go and get plugged in. So today we're going to talk about investing in the kingdom through, guess what? Serving. So open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 7. But now, how many of you grew up in a house, and maybe you still have something like this up in your kitchen or or in your house? It's It's a sign, and it says something like this, house rules. If you open it, if you spill it, wipe it up. If you sleep in it, make it up, right? If you wear it, wash it, and fold it, and put it up right? We don't do that all the time. If you drop it, pick it up. You know what I'm saying. You've got some of these house rules, and some of you probably have something like that up in your home right now. Why do we do that? Well, uh, my wife has a a wonderful saying, and and I think it's very true. She says, if you want to eat together, everybody loves to be called at dinner time, and you want to have fun and play together, well, you also need to work together. Okay, and so for everybody to be happy and content and everybody has a role to play and a job to do in the life of a family in a home, we understand that it takes everybody to make a family work. Now, just as a side note, I know we got some youngsters in the house, right? Now, our teenagers, young kids, young adults, maybe if you're still living with your mom and dad, look, if your clothes are laying on the floor, pick them up. If you walk past the trash can and it's full, do you have to have somebody to tell you to, to sack the trash? I mean, some of you kids, and, and some of us parents enable our kids because we don't expect them to do their little things and little chores around the house, but that's the way that a household is to work. And so some kids, do you think that your parents exist to serve you? Is that the way that it's supposed to work? No, it is not. By the way, we brought you into this world. We can also take you out. That's the way it's supposed to work. So don't think, children, that your parents exist. That they're already working 40 to 50 hours a week. They've already got so many other things going on. You can help out and chip in and do your part and do your chores at the house, right? It's like one little boy who was just getting, finally his mother had reached the point where his, he couldn't clean up his room. He wouldn't clean up his room. She finally scolded him. She whipped him. She grounded him. It was just a horrible day. And boy, you know how it is when we get in trouble. I hate you. You're the worst parent in the world. You're so mean. You're the worst mom ever. And she said, you know, you're wrong. Last year, I got second place. This year, I'm going for first. (laughs) Right? Anybody ever feel like that? I know sometimes I do. And so that's the way that it works in a home because everybody is meant to chip in and do their part. That's in a home, in a family. Guess what? They also call the church a what? A church family. You ever notice that? Why? Because, well, number one, the church is built of families. The family unit is God's design, and God gave us families and, and mothers and fathers and children, and then the, the collective church, the local church, is built up of many families because now we become one big family, and so that means if you're here and you're a member of Christ Church, or any church for that matter, then you have an important function and an important role to play in this church. The the Bible in 1 Corinthians 12 makes an interesting statement. It says that God was the one. He actually arranges the members of the body, each one, as he pleases. Now let's think about that for just a second. The minute you come to faith in Christ and you're a Christian, God takes you as he pleases, the great God of the universe, the one who saved you, and he gives you a place and a purpose in the local church. So it is his design for his children to carry out their function in the context of a church family, and it's for our good, guess what, it's for the good of the church, and it's for his ultimate glory. So we know that, and we see that, but I think that's one of the reasons, by way of introduction this morning, why we're struggling, especially in the church in North America, it's because there's two things I think have crept into the, the church that have crept in from the culture. Those two things are this. There's a consumer mentality, and there's also a sense of entitlement. These are two enemies of the church. A consumer mentality, meaning that I'm the customer, I'm always right, and everybody else exists to serve me. And the sense of entitlement, which basically says the same thing. I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled to that. I deserve this. I deserve that. And when those things begin to creep over into the body of Christ, then we start to see it have its way and its effect in the body of Christ. And I think that's why many of the times we see the body of Christ trying to carry out the mission that God has given us, but we're we're hobbled. We're, we're, We're not at full strength. And we all understand that. That body analogy, the scripture speaks a lot about the body of Christ and the members and how every member is important. And when one member is suffering, we all what? We all suffer. You know that. If your pinky toe is infected, it's going to infect your whole body. You can't get up and do the things that you want to do. If any part of your body is hurting or in pain, it affects your entire body. And that's the same thing that God is trying to tell us here today as the church. Now, let me explain. You've heard of the 80-20 Rule, right? Many of you probably heard of the 80-20 rule. And we see this, unfortunately, too much in the church. So it simply goes like this. 15 to 20% of the members of any given church, and look, guys, this is everywhere. It's it's not just necessarily here at Christ Church. This happens everywhere. But about 15 to 20% of the members are trying to do 80 to 100% of the work. Okay? Now, what happens? Well, when that happens, the people who are serving faithfully... Sometimes they feel like they're just trying to keep their nose right above the water. And you're just just treading water. And sometimes you feel yourself go under and you get water in your nose and and you're just like, man, this is too much. I feel overwhelmed. And many times the people who are serving in the life of the church, they feel like we're just spinning our wheels just trying to keep things going as they are. Sometimes you're exhausted. You're burned out. All of us can identify with these feelings And sometimes it causes a root of bitterness to grow within the church when only a certain number of people are carrying the majority of the load. And also the biggest thing, it just discourages people. Now, I don't want you to be discouraged this morning. And I'm not here to give you any type of a guilt trip. I'm here to basically encourage you to see that there is such a blessing when the church functions according to God's design. When the church is operating in unity and the power of the Holy Spirit, it is a beautiful thing to behold. And I want to say here at Christ Church, and I'll get into this a little bit more later, we do have faithful servants. We do have people that are giving of themselves on a regular basis, consistently committing to the work of the ministry and the Lord. And so, when we look at the the life and when we look at the local church in general, not just here, but the local church here in North America, I want to ask the question why are we falling short in some of these areas when it comes to service? Well, 1 Peter chapter 4 gives us a glimpse. Let me read verses 7 through 11, and then we'll unpack this a little bit this morning. 1 Peter chapter 4, look at verse 7. Peter says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. We've been emphasizing prayer a lot this month. Prayer walking, emphasizing prayer for our community. Look at verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude... Of sins. Verse nine, show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Now he's talking to you. Everybody in the church, every member of God's church has received a gift. He's saying, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, two quick things before we jump into the, I I have five reasons why you should invest through serving in your church, But two quick things that Peter touches on before we get into that. I just want to touch on them real quickly. The first thing is that I think sometimes as members of God's church, we have lost a sense of urgency. What does Peter say right here in verse 7? He says, The end of all things is at hand. What does he mean? He means it is near, it's fast approaching, it's drawing closer each and every day. And so we got to be able to always look at life and look at where we are and, and the church in which we're serving and the mission through which God has called us in the context of the fact and the reality that Jesus Christ is coming. The Lord Jesus is going to return one day and it's going to be one day soon and his day is fast approaching. It's drawing closer each and every day. That's why they call this age right now, the Bible speaks of it as being like the age of grace or we call it the church age. Why do they call it the church age? Because the church has been given the great commission to go and fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ until he what? Until he returns. And we ought to be working and laboring in that effort to fulfill the great commission to the glory of God. Because we know that the day is drawing near. So why is that so important? Well, there's two things I can think of. Number one, every person that is alive and has rejected Jesus Christ. And every person who dies apart from Jesus Christ will stand in the judgment of Jesus Christ. Eternity hangs in the balance. Souls are at stake. I think that's a major importance as to why we should be more urgent in our mission. But also, guess who else is going to be judged on the judgment seat of Christ? You and me. Do you know that? Every believer will also have to stand before the Lord and give an account of his life for what we did as stewards with what God has given us. We all will have to give an account and stand before the Lord. So there should be a sense of urgency And so when you understand that this church stuff that we talk about is very serious stuff, as a matter of fact, I'll say this, it is the most important work we will ever do and the highest priority that we will ever have. Listen, the gospel ministry and fulfilling the Great Commission, it transcends every other priority that we have in this life. So it is most definitely important. It reminds me of a verse in Hebrews, listen to what the author says in Hebrews 10. He says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. So he's saying, don't get into the habit of skipping out on this fellowship. Don't get in the habit of of taking Sundays off. He's saying, don't neglect the precious blessing of being able to come together on a weekly basis with your church family and to worship the one true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, don't neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Listen, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Same, same imagery right there. Peter says, the day of the Lord is at hand. The end of all things is near. And this is the same thing in Hebrews 11. As we see the day drawing near, we ought to meet together more and we ought to serve together more. Now, secondly, Peter says, look at verse 7. He says, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. And basically all he's saying is this. Listen, we need to make sure that we're self-controlled and we're sober-minded. What does that mean? Well, it means that we shouldn't get entangled in the sinful desires and passions of this world because if there's anything that's going to get us sidetracked, it's going to be the desires and the worldly passions that are always drawing us away. Amen. So that's what he's saying. Be self-controlled. Don't allow yourself to get caught up in the sinful passions of this world. And he also says, be sober-minded. In other words, don't let your mind get distracted and dulled by the worries of this world. Because those two things both are enemies of the church and enemies of us living a gospel-filled life. And so there should be a sense of urgency. And then we have also become many times too worldly to be effective as the church. But I want to encourage you again. There is a way for the church to become strong again. This church to become stronger, but it does require every one of you to do their part. You do have a part to play. Now, when we leave here right after service, and you hopefully you have an opportunity to go into the gym, you're going to find out ways of how you can serve in the life of this church. There's, there's multiple, I wish I had time to tell you about all the ministries going on in the life of this church. It's awesome. That's how you can serve. What I want to do over the next few minutes is tell you why, why you should serve. All right, so I got five key reasons why based on this text as to why you should serve. Number one, we learn to give and receive love when we serve one another. Look at what Peter says. He says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, I'm of the belief that love is not a feeling. It's not a word, but it is an action. Love is a conscious choice to be unconditionally committed to other imperfect people. That's what love really is. And what Peter's saying is, we need to. you are loving each other well, but we need to continue to love each other even more. Again, why? Because the, the end is near, right? And so what is the context? How do we express, give, and receive love? What's the way that God has designed it and set it up for us to learn how to love each other, to receive love from one another, and to give love and express love to one another? It is through serving one another. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I didn't come to be served. But to what? But to serve. And to give my life as a ransom for many. So in other words, where I hear that, I hear this. The, when we are most like Jesus is when we are giving of ourselves. When we are serving other people. That's, what, that's the example and the model that Jesus set up before us. So that we are able to to reciprocate this wonderful act of love and enjoy each other's love and express our love to each other through serving one another. How did Jesus serve? He served faithfully. He served sacrificially. Sometimes we got to serve sacrificially. He served unconditionally and he served sincerely. That's how we can be more like Jesus Christ. There's so many ways to give and receive love in this church family. And if you're missing out on serving, you're missing out on being able to experience that kind of love, the deep Christ like love that we all desire. Number two, strangers become friends when they serve together. Look at what Peter says. He says, above all, keep loving one another, love covers over a multitude of sins, and show hospitality to one another without grumbling. We talk about that word hospitality a lot, a lot. Do you know what hospitality really means? It means, basically, to serve and to show love to a stranger. Did you know that? It means to show love and serve a stranger through acts of service. Now, my experience is that the closest churches, the ones who have the deepest and most committed relationships within the church, are the ones that serve together. Because it's through those experiences, see, right now as you sit right here in this this moment, which is this is a very important moment in the life of our church, right? I mean, being able to get fed the Word of God, we open up the Word of God, we, we sing praises to God, this is so very important. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not really building relationships right now. You're not really getting to know each other right now. You're just sitting next to each other. You're listening to a preacher preach. You're singing songs. And all this is good and effective. And we'll do it until the day uh, that the Lord Jesus comes back. But it's not all in and of itself, it's not all that there is in the life of the church. There is a, a wonderful principle that when you have people in your church that you don't know, do you know how to get to know them better? You serve together. And all of you have experienced this. Like Wednesday night when we had a, a gym full of people out here and we're packing these bags and we're just cutting up and talking and spending time with each other, I guarantee you many of you got to know each other a little bit better just by spending about an hour together doing nothing more than just serving together. Because that's what the Bible teaches. Strangers become friends when they serve together. Now, over, I've been here almost a year and I worked really hard at trying to learn your names. Um, please forgive me. I know I don't know everybody's name. There's still some of you that I just have that mental block, and I'm doing my best. So y'all forgive me if I, if I hadn't learned your name yet. I'm doing my best. I'm going to continue to work hard at that. But you know, there's something that, that, that really dawned on me a few weeks ago. Is I, because here's what I'll do. Somebody's over here, and I don't know that person's name. And so I'll go over here and say, hey, will you remind me what their name is? You know what happens a lot of times? they say i don't know <laughs> now the, now think about it. many of you have been in this church for a lot longer than i have and you still don't know everybody's name now you may not know everybody's name but if you've been in this church more than a couple of years 5 10 even 15 20 years you should know most of everybody's name in this church wouldn't it be a shame for us to be able to sit on a sunday morning with a room full of strangers wouldn't that be a shame Well, how is it that you're ever going to really get to know the people in your church? You're going to have to serve together. You're going to have to do something outside of the regular Sunday morning worship. You know, if you serve in a Sunday school with somebody, you're definitely going to get to know them in a small group context. You'll get to know them better. But outside of this, guys, there's something much more where we get to know people at our deepest levels when we come together and we serve each other. So strangers can become friends. And I want to see our church truly begin to become a family of friends, brothers, and sisters in Christ and not strangers. Number three, each and every member of God's church has received a unique spiritual gift to use in serving the Lord and others. Look at what Peter says in verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Peter didn't say, if some of you have received a gift... He said, as each of you has received a gift. So what happens when you come to faith in Jesus and you become a new creation in Christ, the Spirit of God comes, like I said earlier, to live in you. Well, the Spirit of God is the one who administers the gifts, the spiritual gifts. So if you have the Spirit of God living in you, then you also have a spiritual gift. Many of you have more than one spiritual gift. Now, the word serve... It can also be translated to minister. The word serve can also be translated to minister. This comes from a Greek word. The Greek word is diakonos. Does that sound familiar to anyone? It's where we get our word deacon. The word diakonos means caring for the needs of others as the Lord guides in an active and a practical way. In other words, God wants an entire church full of deacons. That's why I believe in both male and female deacons, men and women, because that, that call to service is, is a call for all of us. Every single one of us have been called into a life of service to exercise our spiritual gifts and to serve one another, serving the Lord in the life of his church. Now, if I understand, when we first started our membership class here at Christ Church. It was called Members to Ministers. And I love that. It's called Starting Point now. It's basically the same material, but I love the idea that when you join a church and you're just, you think you're just an ordinary member, no, we want to show you that you have a role to play, that yeah, you enter the church as a member, but we want to get you to where you're a full-time minister. A full-time minister. Did you know that when you got saved, you were called to full-time ministry? Think about that for just a second. We talk about that with seminary students and... Young people, you know, are you called to full time ministry? Well, well, yeah, because we, we all are, aren't we? Did you know that? Did you know that everybody is called? Do you know there's no such thing as a professional Christian? There's not. Now, let me tell you one of the great blessings of the Protestant Reformation. Back when the Catholic Church uh, had dominance over the, the Christian Church, right before the Protestant Reformation, there was a huge divide between the, the, the priests and the lay people. Matter of fact, most of the lay people didn't even know, didn't even understand the language. They would read the Bible in Latin. The people didn't even have it in their own language. But you know what happened? Part of the blessing of the Protestant Reformation is that 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 divided line between the priest and the lay people, it got erased. Because all of a sudden now people started to hear the word of God in their own language and preachers and teachers were just considered to be another member and part of the church and we didn't have this dichotomy of these professional priests and then everybody else. And that's the way that the church is designed to be. But you say, well, well, Pastor Marcus, that's easy for you to say because you get paid to do what you do. And that's true. And we established a few weeks ago that those who preach the gospel and who lead the church, spiritual leaders of the church, they are allowed to earn their living according to preach as ministers of the gospel. There's nothing wrong with that. And let me tell you something. God used about a year and a half of my time when I was out of the ministry altogether, and I did work a nine-to-five job, and I know how hard you work. I know how tired you get when you go out and you work all day and in deep into the evening and you still give of yourself on a Sunday when you just want to sleep in like on a rainy Sunday morning and think, I'm just so tired. I just want to, I just want to rest. I understand what it means to be a, a person working a daily job, so please hear me out. I understand that, but let me tell you this. Just because you're not a, pro, pro, again, professional Christian or you're not getting paid to do your work in the life of the ministry, that does not disqualify you from full-time ministry. You see, don't, don't put ministry in a box and say, okay, there's my ministry box, and there's my work box, and there's my family box, and there's my playtime box, and here's my other box. No, see, what Christ has called you and I to do as Christians is ministry is central in everything that we do in our life. You're a minister at home. You're a minister at work. You're a minister here at the church, and you're a minister when you go out into the community to play. All those times, and on all those ways, you're called to be a full-time, lifetime servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to remind you that when we love and care for each other, and we also seek to meet, meet the needs of others around us, we are truly fulfilling the calling that Jesus Christ has given to you and to me. So again, we love each other, we exercise our gifts, and we care for the needs of others. That's why we have a Jackson Avenue ministry. That's why we go and feed the homeless. That's why we have a help group ministry. That's why we we support Life Choices and so many other ministries right here in our area, because we do seriously take meeting the needs of other people around us. So we are doing some wonderful things in a very great way, and I want to make sure I acknowledge that this morning. Now let's talk about what it means to be stewards of God's varied grace. It's a very interesting word picture that Peter paints for us right here. So he says, we're going to be stewards of God's varied grace. Here's, here's what he's doing. He's painting a picture. Now, I'm not an artist. I, I did not get the artistic drawing gift, okay? Some of you can pick up a pencil or a pen or some paint, and you can just make things come alive. But here's, here's Peter's picture that I want you guys to get with me, okay? He's saying that when we exercise our spiritual gifts... In the life of the church and every member out here, everybody is doing their part and serving the Lord and exercising their gifts. He's saying it's like the difference of drawing a black and white stick figure on a piece of paper. Some of our churches just look like black and white stick figures. Not a lot of life. He says it's like the difference of looking at a piece of paper with just very simple black and white stick figures and then a Bob Ross painting. Who likes Bob Ross. I love Bob Ross. I'm one of those weird guys that I will binge watch. Bob, Y'all know who Bob Ross is, right? Big Afro guy making beautiful happy trees and painting all these kinds. Of, it's amazing what he can do with color. And he does layer upon layer upon layer of color. And so what Peter's saying is if you want to be an expression to God, if you want to truly reflect the glory and the image of God in a way as a local church, he's saying we need to have everybody in every varied grace, every gift functioning and working together so it makes a picture come alive with color. So when people look at Christ's church, they're in awe and glorifying God, saying, man, those people are doing something amazing over there. God is doing something amazing in the life of those people because they're alive. They have color. There's a variety of gifts. There's a variety of people who are serving in a variety of ways, and it all comes alive, and it paints a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we fail to exercise our gifts altogether, guys, we're missing out we're missing out on so much that we could be experiencing in the presence of the Lord. So let me, let me just ask these two questions, okay? If you want to know how you can serve or where you should be serving, you've got to answer these two questions. You ready? What is your spiritual gift? Now, some of you may say, I have no idea. Write this down. If you're interested in finding out what your spiritual gift is, write this down. Spiritualgiftstest.com. Just write that down. If you want to go find out, it'll take you 15 minutes. It's a digital online test. It's free, and you just answer those questions, and it'll show you what your top three spiritual gifts are. Our our, uh, uh, Sunday school class did this a few months ago. Very beneficial. Very beneficial to know what each of your spiritual gifts may be. And you're usually going to have one that's really strong, and you'll have a few others, and then the rest, you'll just know, that's not me. It's important to know how God has gifted you, okay? So if if you're serious about it, go to that website, take the test. Number two, ask yourself this question. What are you passionate about? Some of you, you may not be passionate about working with our little kids. I love little kids. If I wasn't up here preaching week, from week to week, I love how Brother John, he's not, he's not afraid one second to go up here and serve on our, with our little ones every day, every Sunday, if he has to. So some of you may not be passionate about serving with little kids. That's okay. It's not called for everybody. But there is something that God has made you passionate about. I think about Terry right here on the front row. He and Sean, um, they go out to Jackson Avenue every second and fourth Sunday. Why? Because they're passionate about meeting people where they are and meeting their needs to show the love of Christ to them so that they can hopefully share the gospel with them. That's his ministry. That's what he's become passionate about. Everybody out here has a passion about something, and you're gifted in some way. If you can answer those two questions, guys, that God will show you where you're supposed to be. He will show you where you're supposed to be serving But the bottom line is this, you're either a consumer in the life of this church, or you're a what? Or you're a contributor. I'm not going to spend any time right here, but listen to me again. Right now, as you sit, you are either a consumer where you're basically just receiving, or you're a contributor where you are in some way what? Giving. Now, which one are you? Ask yourself that question, which I don't have to tell you. You already know. And then once you determine the answer to that question, then you need to say, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to continue to serve faithfully as a contributor? Or maybe I am a consumer and I need to get off the seat and I need to find God's role for me in the life of this church. Answer that question. Quickly, number four. Serving the Lord and others is at the heart of the gospel message and the word of Christ. And basically, all, I, all of this is saying is in verse 11. Look at what Peter says. He says, whoever speaks as one who speaks the words of God and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God. So what he's saying, you can kind of divide up the spiritual gifts into two parts. There are the teaching gifts where you have pastors, preachers, teachers, and evangelists. And everything, the, my capacity of serving you in the life of this church is through the teaching gift. I preach Week after week, I open up the Word of God. I teach you through and from the Word of God. That is my gift. Many of you in here have that teaching gift, but not everybody has the teaching gift. So he says, For those who, who teach and preach, do it as if you're preaching the Word of God. But those who serve, do it in the strength that God provides. So where are you? You're usually in one of the other. But basically, what Peter's trying to help us understand here, it takes both. This time is important. Being in in small group Bible study is important. We need to be taught the Word of God. We need to be encouraged in the Word of God. We need to study what does the Word of God say. But then there's also the other side of it, which is go and do now. Hear the Word and go what? And go do it. That's what James says. Don't be just hearers of the Word, deceiving yourselves, but also doers. It takes both. So we need both to have a strong and healthy church. The Word of Christ and the works of Christ fit together perfectly. That's why just coming here, like I said before, to just hear a message week after week, you're not getting all of what God has for you at Christ Church. You're not even getting half of it. That's why we need everybody to step into a role of service. And then finally, number five, what happens when we display this beautiful, colorful picture of the varied grace of God exercising our spiritual gifts, serving one another in the life of the church, Whatever we're passionate about, what happens when we do that? Well, God is greatly praised and most pleased with us when we serve Him and others in His church. I don't think it's a mistake that when the Lord Jesus gives us a picture in Matthew 25 about His return, and He shows us there's going to be a separation between the sheep and the goats, and He starts telling us these different parables about faithful servants, faithful stewards, in Matthew chapter 25. all of us have heard this, and I think all of us desire to hear this. Don't you desire to hear this right here? That when the Lord Jesus returns and we give an account to our life, all of us want Him to look upon us and say, "Well, done. My what? My good and faithful servant." Come, enter into the joy of your master. Why does Jesus say that? Because he knows that we're his servants. And we want him to be pleased in our life and the stewardship in which he has entrusted us in the, from the gospel and the church and the word of Christ and discipleship and the great commission and doing all the things that God has called you and me to do. We want the Lord to look at us on that day and say, you did well. Good job. Amen. Good job. Come on in and enter the joy of your master. Now, guys, I know that there's a lot of things that we have to pray about as Christians. This is not one of them. Some of you are out there, you know, you think, well, you know, I I know I probably need to get plugged in and and serve somewhere, but I'm just going to take some time and do what? Pray about that. Look, guys, you don't have to pray about this. This is one of those things you don't have to pray about. Because you know that the Word, we just... We just read what the Word of God says. As each one of you has received a gift, if you're a Christian, you've received a gift, a spiritual gift, to serve one another. So if you're not serving one another in the life of this church, this is your time and the opportunity to say, okay, I may not know exactly where God wants to put me, but I'm at least willing to go in here today and to ask them questions and to talk to a few different people and to look at the different ministries that Christ church has going on and I'm willing to say, yes, I want to be committed to a ministry. Two quick things. I think it's important for every member of Christ Church to be connected to some type of a small group Bible study. We call it Sunday school, small group Bible study. Uh, Brother Dean teaches on Sunday nights. We have Randy Lockley teaches precepts. Uh, We have so many different things going on, but you need to be involved somewhere in a smaller group, okay? And then also, you need to be serving in at least one other ministry. Just one, guys. I'm not telling you to to drop your life and just try to get involved in everything under the sun. I'm just saying, let God show you one. And then get get plugged in, get signed up, get committed, and let's see how God uses that to bless this church. Okay? Now, I'm going to ask our praise team, worship team to come on back up as we go. Here you go. Ready? Discover your gift, find your place of service, and then get going. It's not hard. You don't have to pray about it. It's very clear in Scripture. And so we're giving you a wonderful opportunity today to discover your gift. Remember, spiritualgiftstest.com if you want to take a spiritual gifts test. Very important. Find your place of service. We're about to give you that opportunity right now. And then I want you to get going. Does that sound good? I'm going to ask Brother John. He's going to come up and close us in a word of prayer. We're going to sing one more song before we wrap up today. Brother John.
1: Heavenly Father, you spoke to me today, and I'm sure you did everybody. It's so easy to get caught up and spend all of our time, our energy, our money, and everything in the world around us. Everything is a distraction. Just everybody, every, every kid comes home from school with his hand stuck out. The school wants something. The athletics wants something. Everybody, get involved in this. Help with the, this program. Help with everybody's hollering the same theme. But you only are God. You only are God. So we would go through the priority of how we're going to invest ourselves. We certainly don't want to put you on the short list. We want you at the top where we commit to serving you. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, listen.